0: Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of my show. I'm Father Roderick. It's a beautiful, gorgeous spring day. It's so warm outside, beautiful sunshine, blue skies. So, a perfect day to sit behind a microphone inside, shielded from all that beautiful weather. <laughs> This episode is brought to you thanks to my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatheroderick. It's a wonderful community of supporters and it is growing every month. I'm so happy to welcome new people that join the community. And if you become a member of the Patreon community, you get access to my Discord server, which is a very, very cool place to hang out. That's also where I get a lot of my feedback and ideas. So it's it's really great to see that the community is not just supporting me financially uh, to be able to do what I do and to expand my work, but also is helping me develop ideas. Uh, if you want to join them and want to check them out and get access to a, uh, another hour uh, of podcasting, a show that I record as a thank you for my patrons, and go over to patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world summer is almost there weather wise we're finally getting there but also work wise i'm i'm currently wrapping up my um uh my spring tv season so I'm, i've just got one more episode to go and i go into more detail on how i work in my show the walk um so if you go over to father and search for the podcast The walk or just type in the walk father roderick in your podcatcher um uh, I often give you some behind-the-scenes information on how I work. Sometimes it's, it's technical. Sometimes it's just organizational or how I kind of try to balance my life, work and prayer and leisure, etc. So uh, I go into more detail there. But suffice it to say that I'm almost done with this season and my TV show has just been renewed for uh, the next six months. So that is great news. It also means that I have to f- go out and film another 15 episodes or produce them. Um, I'm not going to do that all by myself. I've uh, enlisted some help. So uh, in order to, to free up some more space to um, work on, uh, let's say, my next big project, which is to try to raise the level of quality of what I do to something that would be acceptable for a party like Amazon Prime, Prime Video, or Netflix, or... Disney Plus? No, not really. But <laughs> it, what I would love to do is to create a number... Of, so I've already created a number of um, documentaries um, that I filmed in in dual languages. So I, we, we all the presentation, all the on-camera text is recorded in Dutch for the TV show, so we make a special cut for for the Dutch audience. But then we re-recorded everything also in English on location. So that is going to be for the international version. Once I'm done with this... Uh, first season, I can start uh, compiling these English versions, and sometimes I have to re-edit them as well. Uh, So there is um, a documentary about China. um, That's about an hour and a half long. I've got a documentary about Scotland. I've got a documentary slightly shorter, about an hour, about Ireland, my trip to Ireland. And then uh, I just recently finished, or I'm in the process of finishing, a documentary about an hour of, of about an hour and a half uh of the Camino. Um which is also uh something well I recorded that while I was walking the Camino but I also recorded stuff in English. Um so that needs to be recut for an international audience as well. I'm I'm super excited that I can finally free up enough space to get uh to get working on that. And then if there is some leftover time. If I organize my stuff uh, good enough, well enough, then I may actually start working on a new documentary that I would try to you know, be make even better than anything I filmed before. Uh, but that's still kind of a uh, in, in the works. I first need to organize all the other stuff so I can free up this the time. Uh, for, uh, for that production but maybe at the end of this show when we talk about technology I'll talk a little bit more about uh, uh, filming equipment what I work with right now some people ask from time to time ask me well, what camera should I buy do you have any advice uh, what do you work with so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that uh, equipment and about what's on my wish list what I think I am going to uh, purchase for the next step if I want to get to the, the next level But anyway, that's all for later on. Uh, Another thing that I'm super excited about is that finally we're getting some relief from this ongoing COVID pandemic or at least the effects of it on on our daily lives. As in many other countries, we also are making good progress on vaccination. I'll be getting my own vaccination on the 5th of June. So that's next Saturday in the evening. Hopefully I won't have too many side effects. Um, Sometimes people that actually have had COVID like me uh, may react stronger to the vaccine, which is a, a little bit contradictory. But um, uh, a colleague of mine, uh, Inge, our community manager, uh, has already received her first inoculation or vaccination. And she had some pretty severe side effects for about two two days, um, similar to COVID, you know, fever and fatigue and that sort of stuff. Uh, but of course, it's it's not. It's not serious. It's just a sign that the vaccination actually works. Um, And uh, she will have to get another, uh, like, part two of the vaccination, whereas I will get um, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is slightly less effective from what I've read. But the big advantage is you only need to get vaccinated once. And since I probably already have plenty of antibodies because I've had COVID and I had it pretty badly... um, I'm pretty sure that I'll be good, um, and so slight bit by bit, we're opening up the country, and hopefully, uh, during summertime, I'll be able to travel again. I can't wait to um, to go revisit my my wonderful city of Rome that I've missed so much uh, for more than a year now, um, and I'm planning on making a, a documentary there for the Dutch TV. Um, uh, company so hopefully hopefully'll i'll soon be able to fly over and visit my friends in in rome uh, i hope that all is well where you live that you're safe that your friends and family and yourself are healthy um, and as usual we're, we're always praying for you and thinking of you every week i stream mass on sunday morning and then we always pray specifically for the community of all the people that are Somehow connected to to uh, the programs that I make, um, and well, I think that we will continue will continue to pray for for quite a while because we're not there yet. It's getting better, thankfully. I do not like movies. They're predictable. Like the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a move occasion. I'm going to give it to you. So, TV watching, movies—it's all, of course, affected by the fact that I am working really hard right now, and I'm still like trying to divide my time over all the other stuff that I need to take care of. The, the renovation work—I'm not renovating the, the the new home myself, but I still have to coordinate it uh, together with Hank, our acolyte that you may know from the international masses. But it is just a ton of stuff that needs to be done. Um, So I don't have that much time to watch movies. Um, The movie theaters will reopen next week, which is super exciting because where I'm going to live is actually just a five-minute drive from a huge movie theater. And I couldn't be more excited. It's one of those pate theaters. Um, when I was still living in Amersford I used to have a subscription so I would just pay a monthly fixed fee and I could watch any movie as many times as I wanted and oh those were the days I, I, I think I, I watched some of the Star Wars movies like six or seven times I mean it didn't the monthly price that I was paying anyway um, but a- after a while, especially when I moved to a smaller village in the same parish uh, um, boundaries, within the same boundaries, it, it, it would be like a 20-minute to a 30-minute uh, bike ride to the movie theaters. That's when I stopped my subscription because I just, it was too far away, but now I'm almost living next door to, you know, at least it was in, in the Netherlands, it's one of the biggest brands of movie theaters out there, um, and I think they have like, six six theaters in total or how you call them these these six screens probably um yeah so i'm i'm considering once we're more or less back to normal to uh, uh resubscribe to uh to the movie theater also because i think that movies ultimately deserve to be seen on the big screen. Uh, we've all been kind of stuck at home and we're watching movies on Netflix and Disney Plus and and Prime Video etc. And that's all well, but it's not the same experience. And um I, it's it's also because it's it's not just about the size of the screen or the quality of the sound it's also the social aspect of watching a movie together with other people especially when you're at a premiere or something like that i remember watching some of those marvel movies and it, and or star wars premieres everybody was excited and it's this whole i don't know just this 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 frizzle, this electricity in the air that i miss so much when i'm watching movies by myself but since we have no choice, I'm still watching from time to time some stuff on my big TV, my big computer monitor. That's the only screen that I have access to. Father Henry has a television, and that is. I think he just told me that it was 25 years old. I think he got it for his ordination when he was ordained a deacon. That's when they gifted him a television, and at the time, that was considered to be a small television. It's a four by three. TV, like an old fashioned TV. It's not even a flat screen. Uh, it barely wa- it works. There is no Netflix. There's nothing. It's. It, I think he has got an old DVD player hooked up to it. But I, th- even that one may be broken. So anyway, there is just no nobody watches TV here. Every I think twice now since I've been since I moved in here, we uh, mounted a, a projector former parish projector that was kind of discarded didn't function that well we 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 took a, a painting off the wall and we were watching a movie on projected on the on the wall in Father Henry's uh, living room but of course uh, the sound came from a from a laptop so it's like this very thin computery sound it it, it wasn't a very good experience however we did watch Star Wars, and it was the first time that Star Wars 4 A New Hope was shown in this house. It was a day long remembered uh, by me, not by Father Henry. He's, like, still confused between, let's say, Star Wars, Star Trek, anything with, you know, magical fantasy stuff, like he calls it. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just not his thing. But anyway, uh, so I've I've been – what I've watched, I'm watching it on my computer monitor. I'm super happy that I have actually a super widescreen monitor. I've got an LG monitor that I bought a few years ago when it was on sale. And I love this thing. It's like high resolution. I think it's like 3,100 pixels wide and then, I don't know, 1,400 tall, Uh, but it's, it's, I'm sitting right in front of it. So it still gives you this immersive view of whatever you're watching. And then I had a, a, an extension for my Chrome browser that allows you to watch, um, Disney content, Disney plus content. And it's, it's, it's using the entire monitor. If normally, if you don't use that plugin and you're watching it in your browser, it will still give you black bars on all the sides, so there are black bars on the... because on the, This is a 21 by 9 aspect ratio, which is actually the ratio that you often watch Star Wars in. Star Wars, in a lot of these classic movies, they use that ultra-wide screen. It's not 16 by 9 like your regular television, but it's much wider than that. And normally, Disney Plus doesn't allow you to watch it full screen but thanks to that extension i can do that and i've noticed and now i'm getting to the review of what i've been watching recently the bad batch which is this kind of sequel to the clone wars animated series following a group of four uh rogue clones and rogue in the sense that they the the chip the the order 66 didn't work on them or at least on three of them, it didn't work. On one, it, it's kind of a tricky business. Um, but that that animated series that follows these the adventures of these weird clones that are a bit defective and that and, uh, they don't look like regular clones, um, that is also produced in that 21 by 9 aspect ratio. So it's glorious to watch it here on this monitor. It's actually a better experience than watching it on a regular TV. Because no black bars, and it is amazing. I'm I'm so impressed, and uh, so the 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 bad batch. Let's let's talk about that. This is I I was surprised. I thought this was going to be a very short series, like a lot of the Marvel stuff. It's eight episodes, like the the what was it the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That was over before you knew it. Uh, I don't know about Loki. Loki is coming out um, by the end of this month, or maybe. It's it's almost there, and I can't wait to see it because it looks, to me, it looks more interesting than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, Loki is also going to be a limited run, but The Bad Batch is 16 episodes. So, and I thought somehow I, I, I kind of imagined that it was only six episodes I was like I was watching the first few and I was like mm, where's the story going this mm, I don't know it's a bit thin it's I love it I, I really really like the dynamic between these clones and the animation is so much better than anything we've seen before I, I I dare say it's even better than the last season of the Clone Wars it is really impressive what they've been able to do and um and what I love is that the Clone Wars series has been developed over a, a, a number of years. If you go back to the, the first season and you compare it to what, what Disney is doing now or Lucasfilm is doing with The Bad Batch, it's still the same style. So stylistically, I think they, they do a great job giving you... The, it feels like a little bit of like a plasticky look. It's almost as if you're watching a a series about toys. The, the, like, for instance, the hair. I noticed that the the the, the hair of, of many characters, it will, now it is actually moving, but it's still, there are no individual strands of hair. It's just these clumps as if it it's just made out of clay or rubber or something like that. But, so I like that they, they maintained the style, but they... Gives so much more expression to the faces. There's so much more subtlety in the animation, and also the the worlds, the 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 decor, the the backgrounds. It's all gorgeous. And what I also notice is that the the filming itself. It, of course, it's not really filmed. It's animated, but the camera movements mimic Star Wars. The the, the, the traditional Star Wars cinematography. Uh, much better than than at the start, um, so I guess that they're getting a really good handle on the visual style. What what makes it feel like Star Wars? It's not just the characters. It's not just you have droids running around in the background. Star Wars is also about a visual language. Uh, it's a it's about a, a a way to handle the camera. Another thing that I that struck me with the Bad Batch, which I think is tremendous, is the sound. It is the, the the soundscapes. It's again um, in 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 conjunction with the more detailed animation and and uh, f- kind of f- the fleshed out environments that we see. They also made the soundscapes so much more complex compared to uh, the first few seasons. And it's a joy. Actually, I recommend this if you're watching this on a regular TV uh, and just using your the sound system in your room, um, it's actually worth re-watching the episodes and then listening through headphones. You'll hear a ton of details that you'll miss when you're just watching it with using your your TV speakers. Um, And it's very immersive. So I'm watching this with my headphones on. I've got this big screen. I turn off all the lights. I, I don't know if I'm the only one to do that, but when I watch a movie... I want it to feel like uh, a movie theater. So I either dim the lights or I turn them off completely because the the loft is, has these very, very old fashioned lamps and it's either on or off. And if it's on, it's just a ton of light. Um, and if it's off, it's pure darkness. But I prefer to be in total darkness and then just have these headphones on and you're, I'm I'm there. And sound has a, very, it's almost three dimensional the way they do this, and it it feels like I'm I'm in the in the series. I I love the I love the Bad Batch. Actually, I wonder if it's going to be renewed. Um, I'm I'm not up to date. I don't follow all the news out of fear of spoilers because I'm still a little bit behind on the Bad Batch. But something tells me there there is potential for a second season. Uh, this is such a cool group and I think they really uh, Filoni who actually now is he's been promoted to what is it executive producer or maybe he already was that so this is definitely Filoni's work Dave Filoni I think is the most important person right now at Lucasfilm more important than Kathleen Kennedy more important than J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson or anyone else there Because I think that Dave Filoni understands the heart of Star Wars. He's been personally picked and trained by George Lucas. If there ever was a Star Wars Padawan who is now turning into a new Jedi Master when it comes to Star Wars, it is Dave Filoni. And this is his hallmark series. And I wouldn't be surprised if if this gets a sequel and this will become maybe just as popular as The Clone Wars. It's just that time-wise, they're catching up on other series that have been produced, of course, Rebels, for instance. So I don't know how much further they can go, but I think it definitely merits, it warrants another season, especially since the other series that have been announced. There's been, there's a ton of Star Wars stuff in development. We haven't seen any of that. I mean, going to be a Lando series? Is going to be uh, the, the series based on the Rogue One? It's kind of a Rogue One prequel series. Um, but none of that has materialized. So, And and, uh, I'm not even talking about theater, theatrical releases. I really hope that that we're going to see a Star Wars movie next year and it would be wonderful if we could get some glimpses of that during the Star Wars celebration, which has been postponed twice now because of COVID. It was supposed to take place last year. Then it was scheduled, rescheduled for this year, and then it has been beginning of this year. It has been canceled and moved forward. Oh well, wait a second. Maybe, maybe it's still going to happen this year. I'm not. I'm not certain. I think I got an email about it because I'm supposed to go there. Uh, Rob Cabasco is a good friend of mine. Um, he wanted me to come over to Anaheim. Let me take a look. And then, of course, we were super disappointed that uh, that it got postponed. Um, so this is an email from last year. Yeah, from February 2020. Um, and then, let me take a look. Date change. I got this email on May the 12th. And Rob writes, Hi, Father, I hope you're well and the renovations on the new place continue to go well. At least you have wired internet, Ethernet now. <laughs> so glad I have that. Quick note, in case you didn't see it, Star Wars Celebration just announced that they've changed the dates for next year to May the 26th to the 29th in 2021. So yes, it's going to take place in Anaheim, which is of course kind of the birthplace of Disneyland. Instead of August, so they moved it from August. It was supposed to take place August this year. So they moved it to May. I actually like it for multiple reasons. Of course, May is... The, the real Star Wars day is not May the 4th. It is the premiere day of, of, of Star Wars A New Hope, which I think was around May. Wasn't it May the 24th or something like that? May A New Hope premiere. So for a long time, kids among you won't remember, but for a long time, Every new Star Wars movie would premiere on May the 25th, which is the actual, the real Star Wars day. It's the birthday, you could say, of Star Wars. The world changed dramatically forever after the premiere of of Star Wars A New Hope. So the fact that they move the celebration to to the day after the 25th, I love that. And I hope that... Next year, we will get a glimpse. and I, you know, Of course, they're going to do that. They're going to premiere a trailer. They're going to get everyone excited about Star Wars again. Because of COVID, they had to kind of tone it down. That's It's always been my theory. that The Bat-Batch is actually a happy accident because they had to postpone so much other stuff. Even the Kenobi series was postponed production-wise. They're currently filming it right now as we speak. But it has been moved uh, further they had some extra time and they needed to fill it and that's why i think the bad batch got greenlit and well i'm happy for it yes it means we have to wait a little little longer uh to see star wars in 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 theaters again but in the meantime we get plenty of other stuff to enjoy so anyway that is it oh there is one other thing that i wanted to mention It's a a series that I've discovered. I think it was because of a posting of a a fellow Star Wars fan here from the Netherlands. Um, So I'm following a whole bunch of members of the 501st here in the Netherlands, which is called the Dutch Garrison. And and I also encounter a lot of these Star Wars fans uh, on fantasy fairs and and festivals and whatnot. So one of these members posted something about... Um, a series, like a fantasy series. What is it called again? So I'm reading the book and I'm watching the series, and I love it. It's actually based on a young adult novel. Let me look up the, um, the book because I may actually talk about it in the book section as well. Mm, wait, come on. Face ID on the iPad. Is it just me or is it only working like half the time? I hope that Apple goes back to just fingerprint recognition because I'm not convinced that. <laughs> and I'm always covering the the camera for some reason. It's frustrating. Um, where was I watching this? Was it on Netflix or Amazon Prime? I think it was on Netflix. Oh wait, I wasn't looking. I was going to look at all my Kindle. I'm getting confused with all the, all the, all the. Uh, which what was it? No, I'm confused again. I'm not reading the book. I'm listening to the audiobook. So instead of going to Netflix, I gotta go to uh Storytell, which is my super. It's called uh it's um what is it? The Grisha uh this is the Dutch book that I'm reading. Ugh. Bardugo. The 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 act the author is called Bardugo. Bardugo Bardugo. To go, I can't really type because I've got the microphone in front of me and standing on a little plastic case, so I always have to kind of move over the microphone to be able to type. Um, so the author Lay Bardugo is an Israeli American young adult and fantasy author, best known for her Grisha verse novels. <coughs> Excuse me and Shadow and Bone it's called Shadow and Bone the series that's what i'm currently watching and reading and it's great i love 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 that story it i mean it's young adult in the sense that it is is a it's a pretty simple story um but i actually like that it's not too complicated at first at least um, it's easy to follow. It's not definitely not the same as Wheel of Time where, you know, after a couple of chapters, you're like, oh my, what is going on? This world is so big and so complicated. This is a pretty straightforward um, story about a, uh, a fictional world where there is this, this dark region that is covered literally in darkness and dark clouds and there are monsters living there. And then you have... Um, and, and this is very much like Avatar, the animated series, not the uh, the Blue Alien franchise. So Avatar, where you have people that are able to control the elements. You've got water benders and fire benders and whatnot. They took that same, or Leigh dugo took that same idea and integrated it here in a more fantasy type of setting, which is more magical than, than Avatar. And... Um, and, and you have this this one main character that discovers that she is actually a very rare I think sun sun she can do stuff with light in sunlight, whatever. <laughs> and that's very rare. and of course it's the classic story of someone who who discovers that she's actually much more powerful than anyone had thought had thought, and that it's the whole archetype of the messiah she has to save the world but at first she doesn't think she's up for it and well it's very classic stuff but in a sense i like that it's comforting to read this stuff because it is so classical now it's also in the book it's a little bit more evident than uh, on in the in the series on now i want to know if this is on netflix i think it is shadow and bone take a look Oy, oy, oy. I'm so bad at Googling Shadow and Bone is on TV series. Netflix, yeah. It premiered very recently, April the 23rd of this year. Um, so in the this, this series, it's very entertaining. It's very well produced. I'll, I love how it looks as well. Uh, good acting. It's, uh, yeah, definitely take a take a look at it uh but in the book it's there is a bit more you know the 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 main character is female and then there are lots of like good looking men everybody is good looking a lot everyone has great hair and everything (laughs) in the book i was like okay yeah yeah i can see that the target audience is slightly younger than i am but it's not it's not such a big problem uh, because the story itself is really good and there is a sequel to the so the the tv series based on the first two books um it is a trilogy if i'm not mistaken and then there is another series of books which continues the story called six of crows from what i've read it's even better than the shadow and bone books so um yeah it's looking really really good another series that i'm of course, anticipating like anyone else is the Wheel of Time series that has just been re- greenlit for another uh, second season. I'm not surprised. And also, of course, the biggest one of all is the uh, uh, the, the Lord of the Rings uh, TV series, the most expensive television series ever produced. Um, it's It's been renewed for a second season, but they're still in production right now for the first season. We haven't seen anything. Nobody knows anything about that series. And it's got the biggest budget ever. I'm so curious what they're going to do. I, I can't wait to see it, and I hope it won't disappoint. <laughs> Catholics Rock! It's time for a quick visit to the Peculiar Bunch. This is where you can ask anything you always wanted to know about Catholics and their weird traditions. But uh, you're afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? So, a while ago I was posting some stuff on Instagram and I got a reaction that I get a lot from time to time. I said, well, aren't you supposed to be poor? Man... You guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. Uh, this, this is guaranteed to happen every time I post a photo of, for instance, a meal that I've prepared some good food, or um, I've uh, purchased a new equipment. So I've got an iPad and I, I kind of share that, or, or uh, a while ago I had the Nintendo Switch. And I post that. I'm super excited about it. And then there's always someone who who asks, but aren't you supposed to live in poverty? What about your vow of poverty? They never ask about the other vows, by the way, of chastity and obedience. It's always about the poverty. And it's always when I post something that in for some people is, you know, considered to be a luxury. Um, and, well, I thought, well, maybe this is a good topic to talk about. Uh, here on the Peculiar bunch I don't think I've ever touched upon it, but this is a common misunderstanding that priests are supposed to uh, make these vows of chastity, obedience, and poverty. However, that is true that some priests make those vows, but it's not true for all priests. Now, of course, these vows are based on the, what Jesus recommends. So, as almost everything that has to do with faith, it goes back to Jesus. And Jesus oftentimes builds upon what has been handed over from generation to generation during the times that are described in the Old Testament. So these, these, this is not just a human invention. It's always kind of grounded in the Bible. And so uh, Jesus himself lived a life of chastity, of poverty, and of obedience uh he was never married he didn't have a family he didn't have a girlfriend um he did not have much in terms of possession uh we see him traveling around and uh basically recommending that his own disciples go out there without anything even without money just go and knock on some doors and if people give you food just eat that food you know um so it's definitely the the, the evangelical life that we see Jesus and his uh, friends lead is a life in, in, in poverty and modesty. Um, and Jesus sometimes criticizes the rich and the powerful uh, because they don't use He doesn't condemn it. Uh, that's also often misunderstood. But what Jesus condemns is people that only live for money and that for, for who money becomes a god. And more important than anything else, which of course goes against the most important commandment, and that is you have to love God above everything else, and you have to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So uh, money, and we know this from our own experience and from the world and politics as well, money often gets in the way of of our love and our care for other people. So Jesus lived a life of, of poverty, and he lived a life of obedience. Now... That is, may also be counterintuitive because some people like to depict Jesus as a rebel, as someone who went against or the, all these rules and regulations, and, and, and so they associate Jesus with, with freedom and not with obedience. But I think it's a misunderstanding what freedom truly is. It's also misunderstanding what obedience really is. Obedience is, first of all, listening, Listen, trying to discern God's will and to be obedient to that, to try to, to, to follow God's plan and to put your life within that plan, to associate with yourself with what God wants with this world and what he wants with you. And so obedience means that you put your own will second base. It's, 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 it's not the first and for most important thing that you need to listen to. The first thing you need to do is to try to discover what God wants. But then true freedom lies in conforming your will to the will of God. It is why it is an essential element of the Our Father, which is the most important prayer that Jesus taught, uh, taught us. Um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is what we need to pray for, says Jesus. And so it, it, this is what obedience is all about. Your will be done, not mine. That's what Jesus says uh, when he's afraid of of suffering and of dying. He's like, but not me, but your will should be done. And so Jesus lived in obedience to his Father, and he recommended his followers to do the same, to always put God first and to try to find out what he wants. And And the way you find out what God wants is to open yourself for the Holy Spirit who is the helper who will tell you what god wants who will guide you and inspire you give you energy give you the courage etc so it's all, that's all about obedience now so in the church there's this more than 2000 year old tradition of trying to live according to basically following jesus in his example of living a chaste life and and, and chastity is not just about celibacy chaste is about respect about uh, um, living a life that is dedicated to selfless love, that is what that's the core of chastity. Um, it's a li- a living a life of poverty, a life where um, you, you you value things for what they are. And so you never put uh, possessions above relationships. Possessions, what you have is there to serve. Relationships, And so poverty is ultimately also a, an evangelical council that is based on, on love and then ultimately obedience, just like I just explained. So especially people that dedicated their life to following Jesus, priests, bishops, religious people, they would try to live according to these three pillars. Uh, and, and so it's ultimately living like Jesus lived. That is their ideal. And so uh, this this it's I, I can totally understand that people think that any priest who, do, uh, who 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 offers or presents himself for ordination is uh, going to live a life of chastity, poverty, and obedience. However, there is a difference between religious priests and secular. Uh, well, Those are called secular priests, and no. Always confused. Regular, you've got regular priest and secular priest. And secu- I'm a secular priest. It doesn't mean that I'm secularized or anything. <laughs> it's just a. It is priests that are part of a of a religious congregation. Those are called regular priests. And then you have got secular priests. That's what I am. It's priests that well, parish priests that that, that they they are part of the community of a diocese. And so uh, the difference between secular and regular priests is that priests that are part of a religious congregation or a religious community, um, they actually have vows of obedience and chastity and poverty. And those are very specific because they are, in fact, uh, obedience is also obedience to their superior, um, their poverty, their vow of poverty is quite radical in the sense that I, I've got a friend of mine who's now a Franciscan. He doesn't own anything. Even his uh, wages, the, the, well, he works in a parish, so of course they, 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 they pay him for it. He has to give all his money to the congregation. And then, of course, the congregation takes care of him or the community takes care of him. But he doesn't have his own car. He doesn't. I think he has a, a bike but i think it's uh something it's a ultimately it's not even his if so if another brother would need that bike you know it's it's not his personal possession so some it depends on the religious orders some of the uh, religious orders take it very very um strictly and, and, and uh, like p- total poverty. There are also some branches of religious people that actually do own a car. They do have books. That this has been an ongoing uh, process of discernment. Uh, for instance, in the Franciscan order, why, even when Francis was still alive, Francis lived a very radical life of total poverty. I mean, he lived almost like a homeless person. Uh, he would literally sleep in grottos uh, you know, in the mud. But that's not uh, a calling for everyone. But even when he was still alive, there were already certain brothers that were uh, advocating at least some possessions. You know, we need to study. We need to have a Bible. We need to have books. We need to have paper. And, and so, uh, but then other brothers would say, well, no, 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 pure poverty. It's too dangerous to own anything. So it's this ongoing thing. What is the difference with b- between... Religious priests and secular priests, like I am, is we make, uh, we don't m- make vows, but we live according to these councils. We promise to live a life, a chaste life, a life of relative poverty. But it doesn't mean that I cannot own an iPad. It doesn't mean I cannot own a car. Um, but I'm called to live a simple life. And so a lot of the equipment that I have is actually for my work. A lot of the um the 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 things that I do like I I go to the movies or I play video games it's often because I I can share that with you. It's a common language that I share with the community. So a lot of what I do is still related to my mission in life. And um it, w- one of the ways in which I try to live uh, a modest life is by always thinking before i spend i know that everything that i own is ultimately been has been given to me Um, think of of, for instance the patrons the the community of people that support me Um, you know that i'm currently renovating the uh the, the, the rectory um i am paying for that myself there's not a single scent that has been contributing contributed by the patrons that goes into the renovation of the house because I feel like that is something I should take care of myself. People uh, support me because they support my mission. I'm not supposed to go and have you know big meals uh, on 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 other people's uh, because people want to support what I do now of course they want to keep me alive so <laughs> it's part of, of my income is, is uh thanks to my patrons but it is to keep me alive so i can do my mission right so it's never i i would never dare to splurge like uh, for instance a car i mean i'm allowed to have a car but the car that i'm currently driving is a gift was a gift by parishioner. it was a back then it was i think a 10 or 11 year old car he was too old to drive. So he's like, what am I going to do with this car? It's been in the parking lot for, for, for three years now. If, if if it can help you, here it is. So basically, I'm just paying for the maintenance and for the for the gas. And and so far, so good. It's still, every year it gets, has to go through tests and it's still running. So, and even if I, at one point, of course, it's going to die. I, I don't think I'll buy a new car. I'll just, Either lease something or get uh, like a second hand car or just keep it simple and you know as long as it's functional and if i need for instance for equipment, I need a bigger car that would be the the reason that I would upgrade is because I actually need it it's not for for luxury purposes so so in a way it's it's a the priests that I know all live a pretty modest life also our income is uh, on the lower end, it's not the absolute minimum, but it's it's not, you know, if you want to really become a priest for, for a career, mm, not in this country. There are some countries, actually, where um, the state pays priests, like in Germany. And they actually got a pretty good salary, from what I've heard. I I've, don't have details, but uh, German priests usually uh, have a pretty, you know, above standard income. But you know, it's a different country, it's a different culture, it's a different situation also. It's not the parishioners that pay for it. Well, ultimately they do because it's, of course, the government pays priests and they use taxpayers' money. Um, so if you're a Catholic, you pay taxes and then the state pays the priests and the churches. Um, but that's not the case in many other countries. And so and in obedience as well, um, we promise obedience. We promise obedience to our bishops and to their successors. And, well, there have been moments in my life that that was actually cashed in. For instance, the fact that I had to move to uh, from from the place where I was living, from the rectory, and I had to move in, well, uh, to find another rectory, that was actually, that was not my, my own decision. That is something that I, you know, my bishop wanted me to do that, and I had to obey, even though I... I wasn't very happy with that situation. But that's part of the deal. That's part of what you promise. And of course, as in any situation of dependence, um, well, you can ask yourself, is this a reasonable uh, request or not? But in, you know, I like to give you another example, I saw a, a tweet from a priest who was, tweet actually was very active on twitter i think he was a franciscan in fact it was part of a like a uh, franciscan group of people that actually in their mission statement was to be active on social media and to evangelize through social media so I was following this uh, this uh, priest or this uh, uh, franciscan priest and uh, i i loved it very balanced very you know he was actively engaging his audience and as far as I've been able to read, was not polemic at all. It was always trying to kind of find middle ground. But also, like you have to be on on Twitter, sometimes a bit uh, kind of you try to 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 foster uh, a, a conversation. So he would, you know, be funny sometimes or a little bit, you know, make statements that made people talk. Well, just the other day, I read that his father superior had ordered him to close down his Twitter account. And if people wanted to follow his work, then they should go to the official Twitter account of that particular Franciscan group. Now, I was reading that. I was like, what? And then he also apologized for all the, the controversy that his tweets had caused. And I'm reading that. And I was like, what controversy? I mean, this was an ex- a great example of the voice of reason. What is controversial about it? Well, it turns out, of course, I've been thinking about that. Well, what, what is what is going on there? I'm thinking this is probably because of the climate in the United States where a lot is politicized, even when it comes to, in my European eyes, very non-controversial topics. It, <sighs> apparently, it, it, it did stir, stir some emotions. And so the superior... Concluded that it maybe it's better that we just keep it safe, because if you follow the the official Twitter account of that Franciscan group, uh, let's say it's not really, um, uh, (laughs) it's just not very interesting. It's 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 you know, it's safe, it's pious, but it's it's bland. It's just bland. Let's be honest. It's bland. And so I, the, my first reaction was like, oh, man, what, why would he force that, that, that priest to stop tweeting? That is so the wrong way to go. We need these personal voices. If faith is not personal, if it's just a bunch of inspirational quotes, then it's not Catholic faith anymore. It's, it's irrelevant. There are inspirational quotes everywhere. What we need is personal translations of that faith, examples, people that help you think, help you. I mean, what if I couldn't podcast anymore? And my bishop would tell me, well, you know, you just refer people to the um, diocesan podcast. There is no diocesan podcast. There is no diocesan Facebook account, nor is my diocese on Twitter. Like, I, I, I'm actually thinking. Well, you know, what I'm doing is helping the church. It's helping the mission of the church, and I'm trying to contribute to, to this 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 new way of communicating and trying to transmit the faith by giving it my my personal voice. It's a strength, not a weakness. So, I'm reading that, and then I'm thinking, well, that is the difference actually between someone who has vowed obedience and someone who has promised obedience. I, I think that for this Franciscan friar, there was no question about it. He was asked to do this, so he did it. Now, I would be in in a diff- difficult situation if my bishop, for instance, would tell me, I want you to stop your your social media activities. I don't want you to podcast. And I don't want you to, to make TV shows anymore. I would seriously wonder what to do. Well, of course, ultimately you have to obey but it doesn't mean that i can't give some really good arguments and even try to find some support in for what i do and i've been doing that over the years and thankfully my bishop is very much in favor of what i do but but still i mean yeah sometimes i mean i think there is an inherent value to to be uh, to be to um what's the verb of of, of obedience, to obey, um, even if the person who orders you to obey may be wrong. There are great examples of saints who actually chose obedience over their own will, even though they were right and the bishop or even the pope was wrong. But that's, I think, more because God ultimately turns even bad decisions into, into you know, he can turn anything that is objectively wrong into something good, maybe also by virtue of that sacrifice. But if, yeah I kind of feel a little bit more free to also, you know, f- form my own opinion and, and sometimes disagreeing with what I see happening. I mean, t- obedience is, again, it's listening to what God wants. But it also, I think, requires dialogue. What I would recommend that Franciscan priest is enter into a dialogue with your superior or ask someone to do that for you because, I mean, sure, I understand that you have vowed obedience, so you have to do this, but I think it's the wrong way to go, and I think it is a mistake, (laughs) and I would be able to... I think I could defend that, but anyway, that's not (laughs) here or there. That just was something I wanted to share with you. So just remember... Priests are allowed to have possessions. Yes, they are even allowed to drink a beer from time to time. (laughs) When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? All right, books, as I already mentioned before, I'm currently l- uh, listening to the audiobook of Shadow and Bone. It is slightly different from the story in uh, in the Netflix series, but it is very entertaining. It's an easy read. Of course, it's young adult, so it is uh, it's a quick read. Um, but I like the story so far. Let's see, what else was I listening to recently? I'm always listening to something. Usually, I'm trying to read multiple books at the same time. Oh! Oh! I listened to the audiobook of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which, honestly, I never finished. I did read part of that book, and I never got around reading it entirely, uh, mostly because I knew the story from the video game. There was this old text adventure way back when, in the times that I had a TRS-80, which is like the, 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 the 4T of computers back then, and... I played Text Adventures on the TRS-80. And one of those adventures was based on The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And if I'm totally honest, I prefer the video game. The The text adventure was genius. It was so fun because you felt that you were actually part of the story and your decisions didn't really have a big impact on how the story developed. But there was the same humor... But I don't, I just felt like I was in that world. I was. I was playing. I was the main character of the story. But it was great fun to listen to the. The book is read by Stephen Fry, and he does such an amazing job. And at moments, I was listening to this book. It's so non sequitur type of humor. It's sometimes so absurd, but it's hilarious. It's so funny, and of course, it became such a like a tenpole book. For for this genre of 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 absurdist uh, science fiction, it is amazing. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it tremendously. I also read another book, or two books, dedicated to Back to the Future. Now, if you've listened to me before, you know that I love Back to the Future almost as much as I love Star Wars. I it's just my favorite movie trilogy after Star Wars. Um, and so I read this book called Back to the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. This is an unofficial book written by Brad Gilmore, but it's fun because it, it it just goes over the stories. It's a bit of a rehash. It's not adding much to it. It does have a little bit of production information, but most of it I already knew because of the audio commentaries and all the other stuff that I read about uh, how the how the trilogy came, came about. But I also got a great deal on a book. And if you follow me on Facebook, on Twitter, when I find a great deal of a book that I want to have myself, I always share it with my audience. And usually these are like one-day deals. Um, so uh, let me see. That was on Amazon on the Kindle. It's called, it's a book called, actually, it's a, uh, a PDF of a book that I think would be worth purchasing, you know, in, 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 uh, as a real book. It's called Back to the Future, The Ultimate Visual History. This is the coolest book I've ever read about Back to the Future because it gives you so much background information. And it has a ton of photos and I'm super excited that I have the, I'm able to read it on the iPad um, because all the photos are, uh, are, are reproduced in full color. And it is glorious. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. But what makes the actual paper book even cooler is that it has props. It has actual reproductions of um, objects that you see in the movie itself. Uh, like uh, tickets to the uh, the end-of-the-year ball, uh, the the under-the-sea thing. You've got all sorts of whatever is, you know, printed uh, and in paper. Sometimes there will be like a letter um, uh, or a production sketch, all that. If you open the book, you can actually take it out. It's glued to the pages. And so this is one of those books where you can actually take the stuff out of it and put it in a frame and put it on the wall. Of course, I obviously can't do that with, uh, uh, with the digital version. But that's why I got this for, what is it, three bucks. <laughs> Instead of, I don't know, 25 or it's, it's pretty expensive if it's not on sale. But there has been an updated version of this book. This is the regular version. So if you go to your Barnes and Nobles or do they still exist these these, these bigger bookstores in the US, you may still be able to find the previous, the, the first print of this and pick it up for uh, for not much. Um, it's just I love this book. It's usually a lot uh, these, these illustrated books are very fl- there's a lot of fluff. It's just rehashing stuff and it's overpriced um, and uh, like a lot of the Star Wars books you know it doesn't really add much information it's just pretty pictures and overpriced but this book has a ton of stuff that i've never read before like for instance the the what is his name Glover or the 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 the, the actor who portrays uh Marty McFly's father he was a quite a weirdo and uh, <laughs> and so uh there are conversations between um uh, have been recorded between him and the rest of the cast uh, anecdotes, uh, which it's just unbelievable what this guy would try to pitch to to the directors. And I'm so glad. So, for instance, for for the final scene, you know that in at the end of Back to the Future One, um, history has been rewritten, and now all of a sudden, Marty McFly's father is super popular, you know, successful author. And then he thought, you know, I should be dressed in this very flamboyant style, and I'm going to make a painting uh, of a volcano, and I want them to include it as a prop in the background. And then it, it, it actually says that, uh, well, the, um, the painting, right before they started filming, mysteriously disappeared, and they couldn't find it, so they, they filmed the scene without the painting. <laughs> <laughs> they were just trying to kind of calm him down. And, and I'm so grateful that they didn't go for all those wacky ideas. And I think, I think that's one of the reasons that he wasn't recast for, for the second and the third Back to the Future movies. That's a different actor that you see there. But anyway, uh, highly recommended. Back to the Future, the visual, what was it, visual book. It's great. A scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. Well, as usual, I'm talking a little bit about Mars exploration. The helicopter, the Mars helicopter, made another flight, and for the first time, things went actually haywire. The um, helicopter is using photographs, black and white photos, that uh, a camera takes about 30 times a second, I think. And it's, it's comparing these photos to determine. Where it should fly so it's a very kind of visual type of navigation of course there are there is no GPS on Mars because there are no GPS satellites it's something that we take for granted but it's it, it, it needs visual uh, navigation and then something went wrong in the pipeline it skipped a, a photo and then all the other photos were kind of like mislabeled and the a uh, little onboard computer of the Mars helicopter got so confused that it started to try to recalibrate and adjust to, but the fault it was faulty. The information was faulty, and so f- thankfully, it had like a, a, a an, an emergency system that could override the usual navigation. So when everything went haywire, the emergency uh, procedure kicked in, and it landed the Mars helicopter safely on the ground. I think they must have had a very, very intense couple of minutes there. <laughs> the people that were, were, uh, were trying to navigate that helicopter because man, that was, and of course it's great proof that they, 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 they kind of provided for all these, uh, uh, you know, possible potential problems. And so all and good, all good, but I think they will have to revise a lot of that software. And of course, the helicopter is supposed to do another flight, but that is currently it's not yet scheduled. I think they may want to reprogram some of that software, but it's just another cool, very cool, uh, um, little. You know news fact about what's happening on that other planet. now there were also some reports of of mushrooms growing on Mars. I don't know if you've seen that uh, that turned out to be bogus as usual. Um, so there is if if there was really proof of life on Mars, you wouldn't see it on on page five of of a Uh, A science website Um, so there are just google mars mushrooms and you'll you'll be able to read the entire story you know if it sounds too good to be true it probably is we are on the cutting edge of technology wow well what does that mean let's plug it in it's going to say hey I see you've plugged in a new device and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers you'll notice that this scanner built whoa well all your technology stuff it just ends in disaster but there is one more thing there is one more thing i need to talk about but i need to wrap up things because i think dinner is ready and waiting for me downstairs so i don't want to make them wait too long um i wanted to briefly talk about uh what's next on my on my list of, of of stuff that I want to buy because I don't have a vow of poverty so I can actually buy a new camera and own it myself. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so I'm uh, going to film uh, a, a new bunch of, uh, of TV episodes and I've so far been using the Canon M50. I bought the first camera I think over two years ago. I love that little tiny camera. It's really powerful and it doesn't cost much but Now that I want to kind of level up to Netflix quality, I need to start filming in 4K. I need to have a much better quality, uh, image quality, and much more importantly than the quality itself or the sharpness, I need a much higher bit rate. So afterwards, and I noticed this a lot while editing the Camino footage, that was all shot on an iPhone 6, and it looks amazing. I'm pretty sure you'll be blown away i'm not i'm not overselling this i am blown away by the image quality of what i was able to f- record with just an iphone 6 um but sometimes it's out of whack because i'm filming against the sun and um it's it, i can tell that if i if i start to do color correction or color grading it's very difficult to do something with that image it's it looks wonderful the way it is as soon as you st- try to modify it the highlights will get overblown or the shadows will get extremely uh blurry and grainy plus the camera is terrible in in low light so anything i filmed at night or early in the morning it's almost unusable which is a shame because those are the times that you have the most atmosphere in your picture so I was thinking um, the M- the Canon M50, that's fine for regular work. But if I really want to do a like high-profile documentary, I need to scale up. Well, of course, I could buy a real uh, movie f- camera, but those are super expensive. Plus, they often are big. My style of filming and producing is the smaller, the better. The more lightweight, the better. So I'm currently looking at a compromise and um, trying to see if I can purchase a ca- um, Sony So I'm gonna move from Canon to Sony, a Sony A7S III. And I'm thinking of two lenses. This is for the techie guys that always ask me, so what lens are you gonna buy? I'm thinking of of buying the body of the the Canon together with uh, two Tamron lenses. One that is a 21 to 75 millimeter lens, with a fixed aperture of 2.8 over the entire range. Sorry for the technical details. And then there is also a wide angle that goes from, I think, 16 to 75. Also, that one has a f2.8 opening, which is really, really good for low light situations. Now, those that is a very expensive camera, much more expensive than what I'm using right now. the The, the Canon M50, if I include the two lenses and some of the ND filters, I barely get to a thousand bucks, which is extremely cheap for the image quality of the Canon and the usability. The Sony will go all the way up to, I think in total I'll probably have to pay around four and a half thousand, maybe even five thousand. And that's just the body and the two lenses. But, I mean, it's five times more than what I have, but the quality. Of, of the image quality that comes out of that sony is is really professional quality and i think i'm i'm ready for it i'm i trust myself enough to think that i'm definitely gonna be able to use that extra quality we will will be able to you know i it, of course what is the best camera that you can buy it is a camera that you carry around with you. So my the best camera on the Camino was my iPhone 6 because it was the only camera that I had. And I'm even thinking of uh, switching back to, to the iPhone. I'm so impressed with what I see. And I'm thinking, that was iPhone 6. We're now at the iPhone 12. I mean, the quality must be out of this world. And if I see what I can do with it, I'm, I'm currently producing a, like a three-part TV episode. Um, the return on investment. Uh, basically, the iPhone 6 was a gift, so I got that for free. So it's like, it's an amazing uh, uh, uh return on investment, and I'm thinking that will probably also be true for, for the iPhone 12 or 13, whatever. So my next phone probably will be an iPhone. I'm super happy with my Asus Zen phone, but I'm surprised that a, much newer phone still can't compare to the quality that comes out of the back lens of the of the iPhone 6. So maybe I'll just switch back to the iPhone. Well actually I'm quite convinced I should switch back to the iPhone for my next phone and purely because of the cameras. <laughs> the rest I could I don't care that much for it. I love the Android system as well, but man There is just nothing that compares to how Apple treats its images. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of this show. Thank you so much for listening. For the privilege of your time, if you're a patron, check your feed for Father Roderick to the Max. And if you're watching this live on YouTube or on Facebook, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for your comments, questions. I'll be back online. Before you know it, make sure you're subscribed to me on social media. Just look for Father Roderick. See you next week.